shout out to the young girl that got baptized during worship. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. High risk, because we're highly dysfunctional, but at the best of times, we love Jesus. It's awesome to see moments like that. Acts chapter 2 is the start of a new family journey. We know that. And it's the birth of the early church. And so I want to read the story and kind of put some new lens on it, if that's okay. Uh, It starts with them gathering, and then it says this in Acts 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone, this is the part that gets me, was filled with awe. Like, let's bring back a little bit of awe, right? They were filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together. Shout together. Unity is powerful. You see, we live in a world that wants the finished product, but are we willing to step into the story? We live in a world that wants the, the beach pod, but it takes time in the gym. In Pretoria, you guys obviously have a lot of gyms because you look good out here. In Belito, we just have the sea. Um, we want money in the bank, but we aren't willing to journey in stewardship. You see, we live in a world, if we're honest, maybe it's not you, but I certainly do. I want the finished product. I, if there was a shortcut, I'm in. Anyone else for a shortcut? If there is a shortcut, I'm in. But God is giving a group of people, we're told 3,000 plus people, He's giving them a journey. He's giving them a pattern. He's giving them a a passage to a life of awe and miraculous signs and wonders and togetherness and unity. The very thing we dream of for this beautiful nation of South Africa is right here in the book of Acts. The pattern is there, and I hope to bring some light in it today. All the believers were together, had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone that had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together, listen to this, with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of, there's a finished product right there we could sign up for. Tap your neighbor and say, you're favored. I cannot tap your second choice on the other side and let them know they favor too. You know it's true. Favor is a finished product. It's, it's the work of God in our lives. We, we desire and we want favor. And, and God is telling this group of people in Acts 2, 3,000 people. I mean, you've got to ask yourself the question, how do you move, mobilize, and shift 3,000 people into an inheritance? Well, apparently he has the narrative. And so he gives it to them and he, he kind of sends them on a journey. And when I was in Israel recently, we stopped at a place called Magdala, the home of Mary Magdalene. And uh, we got kind of introduced to the story of what might have gone down in that town by Father Kelly, a Catholic priest, all the way across in Israel. And he told us about Mary Magdalene and how she would have operated and what might have looked like. And he stopped us at this portrait that they've done in mosaic. I think there's over a million little pieces of mosaic that they've done in honor of her life in that town of when Jesus is walking through the streets and the young girl reaches out and touches the garments of his cloak. And they've done this amazing portrait. And he says to us, who knows the story? And everyone obviously knows the story. And all the pastors in the room are so keen to tell Father Kelly what they know. You know, we're quick to uh, tell the scriptures we know. And, And he says, have you noticed the detail? And all of us kind of look around and we're like, yeah, there's a thousand million mosaics there, Father Kelly, all due respect. There's a lot of detail. And he says, you know, life can be like that. We know the story. They're your child. But did you notice the detail of their eyes when they walked into the kitchen because they're scared to go back to school because something's going down and it's in them? Did you notice the detail? We know they're your kid. We know they're capable. But did you notice how they spoke to you at the dinner table the night before? Did you see your wife when she walked into the room? We know she's your wife. She's awesome. She wears a ring. She's yours. It's awesome. You're on a journey together. Did you notice when she said something subtly and she was calling for detail? 
And he said this, something so beautiful. He said, some of the most beautiful things in the world can become so familiar that we start to lose the beauty in them. I think the church can be like that. The most beautiful thing on the planet, the apple of his eye, the affection of his heart, his local bride, we can become quite familiar with her, so much so that we lose the beauty of her. The young man that walks in from a club, never thinking his life will mount to much, encounters the presence of God, meets a great bunch of people. Listen, in Pretoria, you guys are exceptional. So one up on Belito, does the whole thing, leaves the room and realizes their life will never be the same. That's detail. And they're in the room. And the, and the businessman who's navigating story after story and losing money after money, and then he walks into your hand. Nothing happens. He hears one word. The sermon is preached for 45 minutes. He hears one word. He takes it back to his boardroom. He quotes that word. The boardroom turns around, and everything starts to shift because of the beauty of the local church. God loves his local church. In John 17, let's read it together. We're going to have some fun together. Rory said, I've got three hours, so get comfortable. You get snacks, cool. Uh, verse 21 of John 17, it says this, uh, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Watch this, verse 22. I have given them the glory that you gave me. I want to speak a little bit about this tonight. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. There is something about the church and the blessing God gave us in Acts 2.42 that is the glory of God in us alive. And in that is something so beautiful that every time I step into a different expression of her, I find myself overwhelmed by the privilege of what I get to be a part of. Tonight is 3CR. This morning it was Urban Life. Next weekend is Link Church. And honestly, it doesn't matter where I find myself, the local church, wherever she meets around the world, the glory of God is in her and there's detail and there's beauty and it's a privilege and it's a blessing and there is awe and there is miracles and there is wonder in Jesus' name. And so what I want to do is have some fun with you. Is that all right? I want to show you an Old Testament picture that plays out in the cross and then shows up in Acts 2. And hopefully when we see it, our hearts will leap with great joy tonight. The tabernacle. You've seen that word and thought, why is it even there? We know it was important for them, but what does it mean for us? Well, apparently so much is going on there. Team, if you can put that image up. Um, Moses is told that God would want to build a place of meeting, the tent of meeting they call it. And it would be the place where he meets and speaks to them. Now we know that's a picture of the church of Jesus today. We know that. That's, that's part of the narrative. But what goes down in this, sorry, not this one, the other one. What goes down in this image is a story of God moving people from the desert into their destiny. Like you've got to ask the question, 600,000 plus people were told camped the first time out in the wilderness. How do you move 600,000 people effectively from a desert place into a destiny? Well, the pattern is in the tabernacle, and the pattern is in the cross, and the pattern is in Acts 2. And when you see it, and it gets into your spirit, and you buy into it, and you say yes to it, and you surrender to it, well, maybe we'll move this nation too. So in this camping picture is a whole lot going on. They would camp in formation, all right? So here's the thing. In the middle would be the tabernacle, and then there would be 12 tribes. Those dotted lines represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And each of those kind of wings, you can see the shape now. It's the picture of a cross, north, south, east, and west. Each of them would be represented by one tribe that would carry a banner. In Hebrew language, they would use this language standard. They would lift up a standard. So when the enemy comes in like a flood, Isaiah, you will raise a standard. It's from this image up against him. 
And so this imagery is how God's people would camp in the wilderness so that they would stay focused on him and effectively move into what he had for them. Three tribes in each wing, headed by one on each side. The tribe in the north was headed by the tribe Dan. Dan was meant to be a picture of a snake. His dad stepped in. You've got to love the detail. And his dad said, no, he shall be an eagle. And so Dan became the leading tribe, an eagle, northern side. Then we've got Reuben in the south. It's a picture of a man. Then we've got Ephraim in the west. It's a picture of an ox or a, a, a lamb, a ram. And then we've got Judah, the one we love. On the east, it's the picture of a lion. Now, in this subtle detail, you can leave this imagery up, are four faces of Jesus found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The lion, the ox, the eagle, and the man. Four different stories about one person, and that's what this is all about. It's not about us, what we do next. It's all about Jesus, and he has four expressions of his life on earth. The lion, the ox, the eagle, and the man. I don't have time to go into the detail of these, but camped in the desert is detail of the life of Jesus already to come. But there's more. And so it says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, you will raise a standard up against him. So what this means is you see they're camping. Camping is when we're resting, right? And the enemy always attacks our place of rest. And so while you're in a position of rest, we're camping tonight, by the way. And we're raising a standard up tonight, by the way. And when this happens, we're focused. Can you see the direction of their gaze? It doesn't make human sense to camp like this. They are in trouble if the enemy comes and they're facing inward. Do you get that? Human reasoning says we should be facing outward, and when the enemy comes, we damage him. You know, like a good old South African man. We work it out. But God is so intent on taking glory that he says, now I want you to face the center so that when the banner is raised up and Jesus is presented to the enemy and he runs and flees like he always does, you can't take the glory, only I can. This image, friends, if you're writing down any, write this down. Everything about the cross is to the glory of God and for the good of man. Everything. The imagery of how they camped in the wilderness, this desert picture, is to the glory of God and for the good of man. When we sing, it's to the glory of God and it's for the good of man. God wants his church to thrive. He wants her to come alive. He wants you to find your place and find your purpose and find your, the spring in your step and the dance. And the, he, 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 wants you to, he wants you to feel alive. Jesus said, I've come that the enemy, or the enemy comes to steal, can destroy. I've come that you may have life. And then he says it again, and life in abundance. Young people, God wants you to have life in abundance. And so in this image is God saying, when you camp like this, what it will guarantee is that I take the glory for anything that the enemy gets dealt with and that it will be good for you. And so there are a few things that happen in this image that I would like to present. One of them is favor. When they camp in this formation, there's a favor on the people. There are a lot of people. When you camp like this, there's always food. There's always favor. There's always something for everyone. There's all. Can you imagine when there are enemy attacks and the people raise the banner and they're faced inward thinking what's going to go down and God is taking care of things they can't even see. When you raised your hands tonight in worship, when you lifted up the name of Jesus tonight in worship, the lion of Judah, the ox, the eagle, the man, when you raised that up, God is taking care of things you can't even see. Even when I don't see it, He's working. And so there's purpose in this formation. There's direction in this formation. It says the cloud of glory would come rest above the tabernacle and God's people would be led by a cloud of glory by day and a pillar of fire by night. So we know when we camped in this formation, leaning into what God is doing, raising up the banner of Jesus and asking God to move on our behalf, we know that there is a cloud, there is a glory, there is a light that shines that moves us toward destiny. Can I get an amen? I believe it. 
and so it's to the glory of God and for the good of man. Now the picture of the cross is so beautiful. Let's look at Galatians 6.14. Paul says it so amazingly. Galatians 6.14, he says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Which is to say, I'm going to lay this thought for just a moment. When I'm camped in formation, the distractions of the world don't have my attention, he does. When I'm camped in formation, when I'm leaned in on a Sunday night, and I'm here for it, shout here for it, the distractions of your Monday don't have your attention. Guess what? You're winning. Because when they do have your attention, it's poor energy spend. When he has your attention, it's filling up your cup. And you have, and this is what I know about humanity, we have everything we need to do the work God has called us to do. Sometimes we're just empty. And so this formation was to fill his people so that when they did break camp and move, that they were ready for the work that God had called them to do. They were rested. And so there's purpose, there's direction, there's identity. Twelve tribes, diversity. We talk about unity and diversity in this nation. There are twelve tribes, each with a different nuance. Can you imagine getting a million people, twelve different expressions of crazy humans to work together in formation to get to the destiny? I know, you're thinking, my neighbor's struggling to move in my direction, you know? <laughs> Wives, just tap your husband and say, he's talking to you. There's identity. I know who I am when I'm in this formation. But there's more going on. Paul is saying it's the picture of the cross, and he's showing us there's more going on. There's rest, there's devotion, there's all these things. What I see in this image is a God that calls us to a life of devotion, not distraction. Now, the Bible says that the enemy roars like a lion. I love that detail because it roars like a lion. He's not the lion. He's got the, he's got the noises. He's got the gnashing of the teeth. I don't know what your imagery goes to when you think of the devil roaring like a lion. But let's be clear, he's not the lion. There's only one. It's the lion of Judah who roars over his people. And so he roars like a lion, which means he doesn't have the power, I've found this out, to destroy us. Because Jesus holds the keys of life and death. I'm preaching a little bit of the gospel here tonight. We give him far too much credit for the work that happens. But he can distract. He is very powerful at distracting. In the Garden of Eden, he didn't destroy anyone. He distracted two people. And therein became the downward spiral of humanity. The devil isn't out to destroy your marriage. He's out to distract you from letting your marriage honor God. Why? Because your marriage was never about you. It was about husband and wife living to the glory of God and for the good of man. The business was never about you. It was about him showing you his provision through your ordinary life in a very average talent so that he could take the glory and humanity could be blessed by the fruitfulness of your life. He doesn't want to take out your business. He just wants to distract you from doing the very thing you're called to do. And so the enemy distracts and that's why they camped like this. Tap your neighbor and say he's going somewhere. I am raw, I promise. And so they camped in this formation. But right in the middle of this formation is the tabernacle itself. If you guys can put on the other image. And the other day I was reading Acts 2 and I was reading about the church. And God said to me, go and look at the tabernacle. And I flipped onto this image and I looked at it and I stared at it. And I, I know a little bit about it because I've kind of got this strange, weird obsession with the old stuff showing us Christ. And I'm looking at it and he says, I want you to see this because I'm going to show you something in what they were devoted to. Remember the imagery of the cross? The camp formation? There's something that they were devoted to, that they were leaned into, that comes back to show up in Acts 2 again, 
And God said to me, Dylan, nothing's changed. I'm still building my house. Stare at the image. And I looked at this image and I thought, okay, so on the left-hand side, you got the east, you got the west. How a priest would come into this tabernacle is from the east, he'd leave from the west. Detail. We never leave the same way we came in. And I'm looking at it, I'm going, all right, I get it, guys. It's a picture of something about your church. I get it. The first image on the far right there is the brazen altar or the altar of sacrifice. And God says, yes, that's right. I says, keep going. And you walk and you get into the, through the, the first kind of pink line or curtain and you get into what we call the inner courts. And on the right-hand side above is the showbread. It's, 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 it's a picture of, it's bread. It's practically, it's bread. I'll talk to it in a moment. And on the bottom, on the, on the south side is this menorah. It's seven candlesticks. And, and then you keep walking and you get into what we call the Holy of Holies. Now, this is the journey of the Christian life. And, and there's a picture in the tabernacle that is the invitation for God in the church for us to enjoy and he says, keep looking at it. And I'm looking, and I'm looking, and I'm looking. And he says, go and read Acts 2. And I go and read Acts 2. And he says, and he devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to the fellowship of the saints, and to prayer and worship. And I'm looking at it, and he says, now watch again. And he says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to the fellowship of the saints, and to prayer and worship. And when we do, we never leave the same way we came in. And I said, God, that's what this is all about. Now, now, let's get some context. In the desert, he's moving. Let's call it a million plus people. From a desert life into a destiny. And this is at the center of it all. The way he moves is in this pattern. And so long as they were leaned and camped and focused in this direction, devoted to this thing, there was potential for God to move them toward the next. Can I get an amen? Now, Acts 2, nothing's changed. Except now he's multiplied his efforts. And it's not just a small group of his people moving from the desert, the wilderness in Israel, to the destiny which we now call Israel, the promised land. It's shifted and it's changed. And it's the church of Jesus who he's moving from the desert place of sin, the desert place of distraction, and he's calling us into a pattern. There's still a devoted pattern. And he's calling us into it. And that's the solution to how he moves on this planet. The title of my message, I don't know how I missed it, is simply this, Church and the Power to Change Nations. And I wondered if tonight God could just use me to encourage somebody in the room Maybe you've just arrived. Maybe you've just shown up. Maybe you just got baptized. Maybe you've read the word. Maybe you've been to church. Maybe you've been to church a hundred times. But tonight you could see that the church is not just a Sunday event. The church is God's pattern of power. It's how he moves people. It's how he changes nations. It's how he shifts deserts to destinies. It's how he moves you from a place of, of destruction and despair and anxiety and depression into a place of great gratitude and joy and hope Amen. in Jesus' mighty name. It's the church. Someone said to me the other day, I'm, I mean, we're not void of a chair in Pretoria. They said, how are we going to change this nation? Like, I know, you know. And uh, I just smiled. I said, we're not. He's like, but we got to. This is our nation. This is our people. I said, no, this is God's nation and God's people. And therein lies the challenge. Is that actually this whole invitation is to his glory and our good. And so how does he take the glory? We build church, he changes the nation. We build fellowship, 
He changes the nation. The brazen altar is a picture of the finished work of Christ. The apostles' teaching. We preach the grace of Jesus over broken lives. He builds the nation. We preach the finished work of Christ in communion. He builds the nation. We preach the fellowship of the saints, the seven churches in Revelation. It's a picture of all the churches on the planet. It represents all of us. He builds the nation. We build the church. He builds the nation. I wrote this down. I don't know if it helps you. When we meet, he moves. I'm a simple guy. Durban guy. Love the surf. Love the dolphins. The whole thing, you know. <laughs> Used to like Dacha. And I encountered the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's a true story right there. Just to begin. Yeah. Thanks, Raw. Awesome. Yeah. Shout out Stellies. Shout out Stellies. Nearly ruined me. But Jesus. <laughs> Woo. Someone just got set free from that right now in the room. Can you stand with me, 3CR? And other churches. And other churches. <laughs> um, I've, I've not had the privilege of preaching here before. It's a great honor um, because many are representing churches here tonight. And when I think of how God's going to move the needle possibly in this nation, I think of what this looks like in the bigger picture of eternity. It's a big deal. This is not just a city celebration. This is a move toward destiny, right? Because when we meet, He moves. And I kind of walked in here tonight, like genuinely just overwhelmed at the privilege of what we get to do. But, but I want us to take a moment as we stand, United Worship Team, maybe you can come and just, just minister as people begin to lean into what God is saying to them. What I love about God's Word is it's spoken in one way, but it's heard in many. And you need to hear tonight what God is saying to you personally. Because in this Word tonight is a journey and invitation for you and your family, for you and your church, for you and your business, for you and your marriage, for you and your children, for you and this nation. It's an invitation to a journey that leads us to more. And so, God, I'm just asking that you would use just a simple picture of moving a people from a desert to a destiny to remind us one more time the power of the invitation of your story in Acts 2. They devoted themselves. There are people here tonight that gave up time somewhere else to be standing in your presence because they devoted themselves. And when you devote yourself, there's destiny. There are people that week in and week out sacrifice financial gain to see your kingdom flourish. That's devotion. And we want to honor them tonight, God, for building your church. For therein lies the future of this nation. There are people that give their time to prayer and to worship. And no one sees it, but He does. And when you meet in prayer, He moves in power. This is His church.